0: Welcome to The Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at North Kentucky University. With me today is my regular co-host, Cleveland area attorney and Republican factotum, Jay Carson. Good morning, Mike. Hey, Jay, how are you doing this morning?
1: I'm doing pretty good.
0: You know, obviously, uh, I think everyone knows what we're going to be talking about today on the show, it being our first post-election episode. So why don't we have, a, we have a lot to cover? So why don't we just jump right into it, if you're ready? All right. Okay. So we'll start, I think, with the results of the House and Senate races. And for for those of you who caught our live show that we recorded and then released just before the election, you know that as a team, we were entirely right. So we worked well together. Um, I said, and we'll start with the House side. I said that in the House side, the Democrats would pick up 40 seats and take the house. Uh, Jay, you thought the Republicans would hold on to a very slim majority in the house. And mm-hmm. as of uh, the time we're recording this, it looks like Democrats picked up uh, somewhere in the mid thirties and ceased. There are a few races that still haven't been called. So Jay, uh, what do you think happened to sort of upend your election prediction on the what, house? What side? went wrong? Yeah, Where what did went I miss wrong, it? Jay? Right. Uh, you're,
1: you're partially again, um, you, you are a numbers guy and I, I tend to be a little distrustful of the numbers, um, just having having worked in a lot of uh, uh, campaigns. Polls. Yeah, <laughs> and a fake no, not 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 fake not fake polls, but that the uh, sometimes I think the the margin of error in in polling is is larger than 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 is reported or or can be. It, it's just it's an inexact measurement. Uh, in my experience, Republicans tend to do better at the actual, uh, elections than they do in pre-election polls. Uh, and there's a bunch of reasons for that, um, uh, which we could talk about today or some other time. Um, so, I mean, I sort of factored that in, uh, the other thing I factored in was kind of a corrective, uh, uh sort of sense of well we both sort of missed trump uh on on that i mean we were i was i was completely certain that hillary clinton would be the next president uh as were you um so that's that's another example of of sort of those polls being and i know you're going to say well those polls with margin of error and so forth but um uh it, having having missed that uh i i sort of maybe waited a little bit more uh races for republicans um uh so so that's where, I guess where I uh m- you know missed uh missed the call. But um, mm-hmm.
0: um Well and, and I don't know and and you know certainly I uh, and we'll talk about this when we get to the Senate. So I, I was only half right As well. And I was on the Senate side. I was going uh, a little bit against the polls and more with my with my uh, my gut slash hopes. But on the House side, a couple of things I I wanted to talk about after patting myself on the back for basically just agreeing with the polls. Um, You know, I I will say that it wasn't a, a great day for progressives. It was a good day for Democrats on the House side about what what we had hoped and expected but it seems to me based on everything that i've seen that really it was moderates that gave the democrats their majority and this kind of you know maybe this is a little confirmation bias on my side but i would argue just what i've been arguing from the beginning that uh, if this if this democratic house goes too far to the left they might very well imperil some of these gains that allowed them to get their majority back in uh, you know in, in the 2020 elections and so i obviously i'm very pleased with the House results but I, I certainly hope that the, the leadership and the party doesn't go too far left And it seems to me that that the initial uh, initial uh, reading is that, They are very well aware of that, at least the folks in the leadership. And so, I mean, there are going to be there are going to be those on on the left, on the progressive wing of the party going to be pushing in that direction. And I just hope that that push is is uh, uh, not so much ignored, but maybe not given a whole lot of weight, because I think that's going to imperil what uh, what good that uh, could come if the Democrats can build on these uh, on this House majority in 2020.
1: Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure you can rely upon Nancy Pelosi not to go too far to the left. Oh, I think um, absolutely. But so- you're, you're, you're joking
0: about that. But really, there are uh, this is, you know, there are plenty of people in the progressive wing of the party who hate the idea that Pelosi is the speaker oh, and say that, no, she's actually she's actually too centrist and too establishment for them. So uh, exactly. I know that I sounds know. crazy to you and, you know, in your right wing dungeon there. But actually, you know, she's considered the, the enemy by a lot of the progressive. Uh, but, the I, but I
1: understand this, though, um, yeah. and this is, this is something that we don't want really to talk about. Uh, there's another factor that that goes on. And, and as far as moving too far to the left or right, is Pelosi wants to remain speaker. Uh, she doesn't want leadership challenges. She doesn't want um, uh, candidates. She doesn't want to end up with her own version <clears throat> of, of what the uh, Republicans have in, in the Freedom Caucus. Uh, and to do, to assuage some of those uh, members who may be, uh, one, concerned about a, a primary challenge from the left uh she will necessarily have to uh attack left in 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 many cases yeah or or at least at least give give them some voice um it's 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 just that's just the dynamics of it you're you're absolutely right in that if you look at the places where democrats made gains they were in the uh closer more moderate suburban districts uh, where progressives would would be unlikely to win, um, but you you could have a a more centrist Democrats uh, could, um, so so yeah there there's there's certainly that those that's where the wins were, uh, to the extent there were progressive challenges, um, uh, either in in you know governors races which is something different, um, or, or Senate races that's something different, um, but uh, so. I it remains to be seen but she's she's going to have a, a I, I, I agree with you from a a governing standpoint from a larger picture uh let's have a uh, expand the democrat majority uh she'd be better off playing more to the middle but I think it's it's going to be difficult to do. Uh,
0: I I think I think it'll be a little less difficult than you uh th- than you hope but or you I I imagine you would hope it would be more difficult certainly but but I think it's not going to be quite as difficult but maybe that's me talking with my with my hopes more than more than uh looking at what's actually going on. i don't know what we'll, we'll see but before we get to what what we're going to expect from the 116th congress i thought we would just briefly mention the senate where you were right and i was uh not uh not right i was gonna say less right but no i was wrong uh you said the republicans were likely to pick up two to three seats i thought things would stay you know essentially where they were 51 49 um And, and, you know, on my end of things, I thought that it was possible that a late surge by O'Rourke possibly could just knock off Cruz in Texas. I thought next, I thought that Nelson might just barely eke out a win over Scott in Florida and that race hasn't been called and there's all kinds of stuff going on with that. But And then I thought that of those three most endangered Senate Democrats, Heitkamp, Donnelly, and McCaskill... One of them might somehow, I don't know, magically uh, pull it out. <laughs> now, I, so I think the, the party of science, well, you know, I think that my first two uh, suppositions were at least reasonable based on the information we had. But that third one, that was uh, a little bit more uh, wishful thinking, I suppose. So, uh, Jay, any thoughts on on any of those races or the Senate results in general?
1: Uh, Beta O'Rourke was a media creation from day one. Uh, and I think There was a lot of hype there. Uh, and and he came it came pretty
0: close i mean you know he gave he gave
1: a uh, a scare Uh perhaps um but but still considering everything that was thrown into that right um uh it, it's again there there that would be uh to me that was that was always a, a pipe dream and it was a strange a strange sort of uh you know drinking the Kool-Aid of oh yeah we we've got a shot here in in texas um but but yeah. before we move against, off against of that, I too. mean
0: the fact that the fact that O'Rourke got over forty eight percent of the vote, I mean that's that's pretty impressive in in Texas, wouldn't you say? I mean that's not nothing. That's not, not nothing. I mean that's um, a pretty close race. I mean uh, you know it was a, it was basically within two percent, and who would have thought that six months ago? Even you know I don't think very many well, people six months ago people were predicting when to win. Well, I mean, I, well, I, well, I don't know, maybe. Six I mean, months what, ago. what happened,
1: what happened in the, well, maybe three months ago, people were predicting when okay. we're saying this is, this is a, this is going to be a huge uh, change thing. Ted Cruz is in trouble and, and, it turned out to be just just not the case. Well, I mean, um,
0: well, I would disagree because it certainly what came down to, I, I mean, a race that's two percent or so. That's you know, that's a contested race basically, and so I, I think I see that as a pretty significant gain. And you may say that you know, O'Rourke is a media creation, and certainly all the media coverage and and there was i believe you know a, a surge because of the media coverage and the excitement but uh but you know that isn't a, a fake thing that's a thing that really happened and it came pretty close to knocking off uh, uh, ted cruz in a very red state okay no so uh you know
1: but my my other one that i i, I missed and i i was hopeful uh that um uh, Republicans w- or the Democrats would, uh, again, the, the, the me too, uh, Democrats, uh, would rise up and, uh, either not vote or vote against, uh, uh, Bob Menendez. Um, that turned out to be not the case. And, and, uh, uh I think those, those folks in New Jersey ought to, ought to really be sort of ashamed of themselves and take a hard look in the mirror next time, uh, they're going to, to march about, um, Women's, women's rights or, 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 or something to, you know, uh, so anyway.
0: And yeah, and Menendez was, was under a, a legal cloud that was, that had ended up, that was actually lifted, but on the Democrat, on the, sorry, on the Republican side, the Republicans actually voted in two or reelected two members of, of the House who are under indictment right now. Right. So, you know, it seems like voters don't really care so much about, you know, indictments and that sort of thing. It's like, well, you know, who's the Republican and who's the party? I mean, party loyalties are, are I'm, pretty I'm strong more, more of, of the,
1: the, the conduct that Menendez. And again, in this case, in Menendez cases, it's, it's not really disputed um, of, you know, flying in underage girls and so forth for, for I parties. Believe he was
0: cleared of any sort of legal, uh, you know, uh,
1: he was he was cleared uh, on the on the charge that there was a quid pro quo. Yeah. Of, of doing favors yeah. uh not that it was it was sort of that there was no there was no uh, exchange or, or premeditated exchange uh for for right. these favors not that they didn't occur um and then uh, you have the so. two
0: republicans who haven't been cleared of anything but they they i think they both won fairly comfortably i believe sure. but uh anyway i'm saying it's not- the,
1: my my point is there's there is a difference uh in the, the nature of the charges and and also of the the rhetoric which um you know in, in uh, during the Kavanaugh, because um, i was i was off for for a lot of that uh during the Kavanaugh nomination and thereafter and uh women's marches and whatnot uh and pink hats and and handmaids tails and and so forth um if if you look at what mendez was was doing um it's really really deeply uh troubling um and um uh, but again folks are willing to look the other way uh including sort of some of the same folks uh who were uh, you know encouraging all the the handmade tail cosplay stuff so
0: right well you know let let's talk a little bit about what we think this means for for actual you know, for actual policy now that the whole uh, electoral spectacle is over and it's kind of time to get down to work, or at least it will be said, in, in January with the, new, with, with the new members of the House and the Senate and so forth. I thought maybe we could start with the Senate because the changes there are less, uh, you know, are, are, are smaller, certainly. Uh, what, what do you see, as, if anything, as being different in the, uh, in, in the Senate come January?
1: Um, I, I think the Republicans in the Senate, um see, this goes back before the elections to more to the Kavanaugh uh, 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 nomination, uh have have grown a little more confident and will will have more of a, a backbone. Um that's especially true if, if you look at who won and who lost. The one the one Democrat um, uh who who won, Joe Manchin, was a a you know, yes vote for Kavanaugh Heitkamp um and uh, uh McCaskill. Uh, and and Donnelly all were were not um I'm sorry not Don. but I I I high uh, camp and uh, McCaskill were not um so I, I think I think that that shows that it's they're going to have some more of the courage of their convictions there um and uh I, I would anticipate you know I I don't I don't see any new like major legislation moving out of the Senate right I think I think what we're going to have is is sort of a policy stalemate for the most part um there are there are certainly areas where things could get done um i don't i don't see that happening though
0: you know, um, I, I think another thing to to weigh into this is that of course this this time uh, i believe it was uh, uh 26 democrat seats were up versus just nine republican seats but in 20 in 2020 it's going to be 21 Republican seats up for just 11 Democrat seats up. And then 2022, I think it's essentially exactly uh, that or pretty much the same as well. I think it's 22 Republican seats for 11 Democratic seats. So I think certainly there, there might be some of those, uh, some of those Republican, uh, Republican senators who are in slightly more moderate states who might have to bear that, uh, bear that in mind, not just in this next cycle, but in the cycle after that. And that might have some sort of effect on how they see things. And how they act.
1: Would you agree? Well, I guess, I mean, I'm not sure. What, I mean, my my thought is, though, I, I guess I'm looking at there's probably not going to be a ton of things to act on.
0: I see what you're saying. Right? Sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think what's what's going to happen is you'll have um, you may have some some stuff coming out of the house. Uh, let's say it's a, you know, health Bernie Sanders health care style. <laughs> Um, which I think the the Democrats will be have a difficult time resisting, right? trying to vote something out like that, or or an impeachment uh, bill or something like that. And I think what'll happen is is the Senate will just choose not to take it up.
0: right, yeah, yeah, no I, yeah I think you're definitely right on that. I, one thing though, I think that can make potentially a difference is because there are a few more Republicans in the Senate, that might make it easier to confirm more conservative uh, judges. And the more conservative, you know, appointees, the judges being the big thing, of course, because those appointments are essentially for life. And you know, as things are now, is is
1: your is your modifier more? uh, Is that modifying conservative, or is that is that modifying judges?
0: I see what you're saying. Well, I guess both ways, really, because now, I mean, more more conservative as it is now, certainly, because the margin is so slim. You always had to be concerned about those couple remaining moderate. Republicans, you know, and say, well, how are they going to are they going to be okay with this sort of thing? And, and, you know, they had a way into it, but now there's a little bit more wiggle room where if they want to, you know, this is, this definitely was a good election for the federalist society, you know, certainly it was. So, uh, so yeah, I think that might make a a bit of a difference on the margins, but I I think that the big difference obviously is going to be in the house. We're definitely going to see a lot more investigations now that Democrats control the committees and have subpoena power. Uh, Certainly, You know, there's this issue of uh, President Trump's tax returns might finally see the light of day because of that, the 1924 uh, regulation allowing the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee to examine anyone's return if it's in the public interest. And certainly you can argue that potential conflicts between the president's business interests and some of these deals, you can make a case for that being pretty obviously in the public interest, and so I, I expect to see that, but I don't expect to see impeachment. It sounds like, uh, you know, that uh, I, I would guess that the soon-to-be Speaker Pelosi and the the leadership are definitely not interested in that. I don't think it's going to get it. I don't think it would get a majority in the House. I expect it to be introduced, but not really go anywhere. Well, what do you think?
1: I I disagree. I think uh, I think you're marching to impeachment. Okay, well, I, I mean, well, you're wrong, I, no, and that's think, okay. I'm I think glad the, I you're think wrong. The is, no, I think the pressure is going to be uh, irresistible. Nah, um, I think there's because... going
0: to be a—I mean, there certainly will be a, a segment of, of the House that's going to push very strongly for it, but it's never going to make it—, it it's never going to get a majority—it's never going to get majority approval. And it's pretty clear to me that, that the leadership, uh, the Democratic leadership— has saw what happened in the nineties with Clinton. They understand how disastrous this would be. And I've been just really pleased at how clearly they've come out to say that this is not something we're going to pursue. I think they're doing the smart thing, which is to push on these investigations to hold the administration to account, but not to rush to impeachment. But, but assuming, what's, what's well, let me what's, just, the, what's
1: the point of, of the investigations? Well, then?
0: the investigations is before you do something as dramatic as, as drastic as impeachment, is you marshal your evidence. And if there's not enough evidence, well, then you don't go forward with something like that. And I think that's the smart thing. I think that's the wise thing. And that's what it looks like to me. The Democrats are doing and say, good for, good for, good for my party for taking the smart move, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I, th- I think, I, th- I think they're, I think they're uh buffalo and you there. Okay. Um, no, I know. No, I'm, no, yes,
0: I'm, no, sure, I'm not sure disagreeing. Is- I'm just saying that I'm just saying that you're wrong and I'm glad you're wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just saying if. If if I'm you know a Nancy Pelosi, of course I say no. I'm not uh, you know not moving for impeachment. But what what the way it plays out is, we're not going to do impeachment. We're going to have a ton of investigations. Um. So look, if you're investigating stuff, you're going to find stuff, right? No matter what. I don't know. Um, Republicans
0: didn't do, find anything when they investigated the president. You, so
1: you. Well, there was. <laughs> they found a blue dress. Um, no, I'm talking about this president. Oh.
0: I'm saying, well, I'm, you said when you, if you investigate stuff, you're going to find stuff. Well, House Republicans seem to think that everything was just hunky-dory with, uh, with President Trump. Nothing oh, to see okay. here, move on, you know, that kind right. of thing. no,
1: well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm saying it within the, in the adversarial context. Oh, okay,
0: gotcha, you. gotcha, you. okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, uh, so, so what are, do you think the Democrats would come back and say, yeah, we checked out uh, Trump's tax returns, looks good. No, no, looks I think what's going to happen, much, let, much let me like, be clear. like, you know, um, it's the same sort of thing of, of um again going back to, to Kavanaugh of the uh um the Feinstein saying, Oh, we want a, a a full investigation and as if somehow the results would matter to to their vote. No, I think absolutely uh, but, I but think what's what's gonna happen is is Pelosi's gonna be in a situation where we'll have these investigations and someone will find something or other. Uh it could be it could be uh absolutely damning or it could be purely innocuous. It doesn't matter. The the fact is that There's going to be that push of, okay, now that we found something, what are you going to do about
0: it? Sure. And I'm saying saying that and I'm telling you that it's not going to rise to the level where I'm betting it's not going to rise to the level where they're going to say these are impeachable offenses. And these are things that are so clearly impeachable offenses that not only will there be impeachment but there will be enough votes for conviction. It's not gonna happen, Jay. You're totally wrong. Once again right. you're underestimating down, the Democrats. And that's the, okay. I marker. get that because it's that's fine. You're wrong.
1: Lay, laying down the marker here. Let's let's we will check back on this issue and let's say about you know six months. Three months six sure. months?
0: Six months, a year, whatever, right. whatever you want it's not gonna Put happen because the Democrats know they don't have the votes for they don't have the votes for conviction they know how that would backfire not only that but the prospect of a couple years of uh, president uh, president pence is not exactly a, a thrilling prospect to uh, to to the democrats so to, to my party so anyway well but you're right time will tell and when i am right i will try not to you know dislocate my shoulder patting myself on the back for this one so um uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, what do you think about the whole uh, tax return tax return issue? Do you think that's going to, I mean, obviously, the administration is going to challenge that, but do you think that's going to come to light uh, in the end? What's your sense of that?
1: Um, you know, I, I, I haven't really done a, a deep dig on this. Um, you know, first of all, my first thing is I would, I would suspect there'd be a good legal challenge that it's, you know, something of like a, a bill of attainder almost. Um, that you have an officer of the, the house who can just is authorized to, to go after somebody if, if he feels like it. Um uh but but secondly, I'm I'm not sure uh you know Donald Trump has has been through uh IRS audits, is in the midst of IRS audits. Uh and to the best of my knowledge, there's nothing that's that's come up that has been uh risen to the level of any kind of you know tax fraud or or tax cheating or something like that. Uh, that would be. Um, I don't know. That's the issue. Now, now again, now you're, what, what you're saying is they're looking for something else that yeah. he could have transactions uh, overseas that you would say uh, would um, uh, impair his his uh, his ability to act uh, in the best interest of the United States. Yeah. Um. I again, I I don't. Given the the situation, I would say, okay, well, maybe, but is is you know what do you what do you where does that uh, where does that get you legally uh, if he entered into, you know, again, you would have to show sort of that that.
0: Uh, so uh, you're, I, I, you're I kind guess, of against again, transparency I'm, I'm not, I'm not here. Do you think that one, you know, transparency know. is not a good thing, that presidents shouldn't bother showing their returns or I mean, I'm just no. trying to get your position in general? on no, this. I
1: mean, and, and look, I, I said this uh, back in 2016. Yeah, you
0: should put the tax returns out. Yeah.
1: And maybe um, they will come out. I, 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 I think I said that in, back in 2016. I
0: don't know, but you, you're saying it now, and that's— I. I sounds like something. I credit and, you and for it's, saying it's that. One,
1: No, I mean, my, my sense would be, you know, sure, because that's what presidents do. That's, that's part of what, what you always—is is part of the process. Um, and if there's something bad from the purely political standpoint, then go ahead and get it out there. Um, get it out there and deal with it.
0: Or just so. cover it up forever and hope you can't be forced to reveal your tax returns, which is the uh, well, seems to be the Trump you know, approach.
1: Here's, here's a funny. Okay, you want uh, a funny It might be Obama's birth certificate, right? Okay,
0: um, I'll be interested in seeing where you're going no, with this. No, it, look,
1: because uh, uh, President Obama played that that beautifully, and I'm not I'm not a birther conspirator or anything. Um, it, quite the contrary. Um, But uh, what what he did was, uh, you know, there was the one birth certificate, which wasn't the official one and so forth, and then sort of kept holding back saying, well, I'm not going to respond, not going to respond, which what he did was sort of allowed the conspirators to kind of feed the feed on that and and get crazier and crazier. And, oh, there must be something he's hiding, must be something he's hiding. And, well, no, there's not. Um, So Trump might might be doing something like that it it might be again something is i think we speculated way back when that one of the reasons he he might not want to release his tax returns is that he's not worth as much as he says he is yeah
0: absolutely and it's
1: a it was a personal sort of um uh doesn't want to look like a total loser um
0: i can buy that and
1: and it could be some that something that you know goes to his personal vanity rather than uh than any you know policy or or uh uh you know concern over foreign influence.
0: Sure. I, I, I think it's probably uh, a bit of both, but maybe maybe we will see. So, uh, you know, let, let's move on from the federal level to the state level. Um, for the last, I guess, for really for the last decade, Democrats have been losing ground here. And I'm, I'm pleased to see that my party made at least something of a dent in those losses that have been accumulating on Tuesday. I mean, uh, uh, following these elections. Republicans will have unified control of state legislatures in 30 states, and that's down from 32, while Democrats will have unified control of the legislative branch in 18 states, and that's a gain of four. In addition to that, Democrats are going to come out of these elections with 23 governors, which is a gain of seven. So that's a Pretty decent, you know. Uh, pretty decent day for for my uh, for my party. Uh, uh, what you, would you say the uh, impact of this is, is likely to be, Jay?
1: Um,
0: I, you know, I I don't. It's hard
1: hard to say. I mean, the biggest thing that, um, you know, if you're talking about federally, uh, one of the reasons Democrats I think have been hurting is because they didn't have a strong bench. Sure. Yeah. Um, and and getting getting more governorships gives them that little bit of a deeper bench. Um. So I think long-term that's, that's helpful. Uh, the other thing is though, a little bit, it, it depends on state to state, right? Um, there were, there were some places where, um, uh, you know, you would, there were some states that sort of reverted back to the, or back to the mean, I guess. Right. It mm-hmm. was, it was, you know, most likely typically should have been a, the democratic government was, um, so it's, it's, it's hard to say, what does that, what does that mean? Um, nationally, uh, it's, I, I can't say other than look, it gives you, it gives you a deeper bench, gives you some more, uh, you know, spokespeople you could, you can put out there, um, helps you build, uh, organizations in certain States, uh, where, you know, there's, there's an effect of, if you have a popular governor, uh, he can go out and assist in campaigning for legislative seats and so forth. Um, and, and again, that's, that's a governor to governor sort of, Uh, sort of comparison, right? I mean, some, some do it better than others. And, um, so I, I guess, I guess the best I can say is, is remains to be seen. Yeah.
0: Well, I think there are some things that we know, for instance, this should definitely have at least some marginal effects on redistricting after the 2020 census, uh, uh, but potentially I, I would say especially, again that
1: that would depend on the states and their constitutions yeah. and who's on their apportioning boards exactly, and that kind of stuff.
0: exactly exactly, yeah. but it always it as a general rule' other governor's being, almost always on Yeah, yeah, it helps to have more people from your party um also I should point out that uh, we're we're likely to see less gridlock uh, like right now uh Democrats have eight what are called what are, some is called state government trifectas, meaning that you control both chambers and the governor's, uh, the governor's office. And starting in, starting next year in 2019, they'll have 14. So that's a, you know, a pretty big pickup. Now, de- Republicans are much better on this. Uh, they have 26 right now. That's going to shrink to 22 in 2019. And obviously, when you have that trifecta, that really helps to kind of move through, uh, move through policy. It,
1: it does. Well, you know, and something else that that is different at state level than the federal level, is that I, I believe all states, uh, if it's not all, it's it's certainly almost all, um, have have state constitution requirements that they balance the budget,
0: mm-hmm, uh,
1: right? And that is a that is a, a sort of a very much forces compromise uh, when you have uh, different chambers, right? If you have one chamber uh, uh, in the control of one party, one chamber in the control of the other. Um,
0: yeah, and that's. There, there are and that's just not something we're, we're seeing less and less of that sort of divided government thing.
1: Well, and the other, I don't know, I'll, another, again, difference uh, sometimes with, with state versus federal is because the numbers are, are different, and I'm talking about just the size of the houses and, and the districts, and um, you can see a lot, it's, it's easier, I think, to be uh, bipartisan at, uh, at the state level, Um is, is my sense. Uh, Mm, I mean, that's just, just based on, on my experience. Um, because you're, you're, and I don't know, it's, again, that's going to, that's going to vary state to state and district to district. So, um, but but I, you know, yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. I mean, if you have, if you have someone in the other party that, that you have to deal with, um, uh, that's going to be a push towards towards more bipartisanship. So and,
0: you know that that's a that's a good point you bring up because at the congressional level, certainly, while there's going to be a lot more gridlock, there is certain legislation that needs to happen. Obviously, the budget and and debt ceiling are the two things that come to mind, and that should it should be it'll be interesting to see how those uh, how those those issues play out because it's going to be presumably considerably more difficult, and there's going to have to be some sort of Negotiation, yeah, because I mean, yeah. those things you can't. I mean, well, you know that that's another issue I wanted to ask you. But there are some people are saying, you know, given the fact that President Trump, except for immigration and trade, is pretty, you know, ideologically, uh, let's say, flexible to be kind. Uh, that. <laughs> This maybe gives him an opportunity if he wants to pivot a little more toward the Senate. I I just don't see that happening. That to me is sort of, I just just can't imagine that happening. But I wanted to get your take on that. Do you think that that President Trump's going to say, well, you know, I'd like to get more done. And since now I have to work with the Democratic House, I mean, he was almost a little bit, uh, Almost congratulatory to Nancy Pelosi, saying, "Hey, she earned that. You know, she should be the speaker and so forth." Or do you think that's just people deluding themselves, as I do? Um,
1: I think it probably depends on the issue, and again, I think it's going to depend more on on uh, Pelosi than it will on Trump. Um, you know, Trump. If you're, you know, think back you the you know the, the Chuck and Nancy uh, meeting, and you know what what good buddies they are, and all the things they're going to work on together. Uh, and if, and of course that that didn't pan out. I think there are some things uh, like infrastructure, uh, which would be an easier sell because it's not particularly ideological. Uh, you get Republicans who would object to you know cost and so forth, but but even there, Republicans are are more likely to to go along with uh, infrastructure spending than they are uh, just just general spending, new programs, that, that sort of thing. Um, so i think there's an opening there i, I don't know on let's put it this way if if they're smart i mean i think there's you and i have said this a bunch of times i think there's some compromises that that could be had particularly on immigration um but i I'm, I'm not sure that uh and trump i think would would be willing to make those compromises right i mean essentially uh, we agree to to DACA. Uh, we agree to to reform on maybe the asylum stuff, and in return he gets a wall or some sort of barrier or or, or something like that. Um, but I don't think the Democrats can go there.
0: Well, I I, um, I don't know. I I I'm a little less uh, sanguine about uh, the the president's willingness to compromise uh, on that. And while well, I think there are some areas where there are. Potential openings I, you know you mentioned uh, infrastructure, criminal justice reform would be another one that had been talked about. I think really we're talking about very small openings and we're not going to see anything because pretty much the playbook is uh, unfortunately you don't give the other party anything they can even remotely claim as a as a victory uh, in the hopes of you know, increasing your margins in the next election so and I think that's where we're at unfortunately um, you know, before we get to the ballot issues because there were obviously a lot of ballot issues and some pretty important ballot issues. Uh, We want to thank our newest supporters. It's been a few weeks since we've done that. There've been a bunch of folks. Uh, uh, First off is Wilmer, who recently made an extremely generous pledge of support through Patreon. Um, And he commented, I decided to sign up on Patreon because I listen to the show every single week. And I know that everything has a cost. In addition, during the past year, your show has made some changes that has kept its core promise of an objective summary of the weekly political news. I think that a show like The Politics Guys needs to have a bigger presence in our society, and I will do my part to tell my friends and acquaintances about it. We need to move away from extreme hate-fueled rhetoric. So that's, yeah. Thank you very much. That means an awful, awful lot. Um, Next, we have Don, who recently increased his level of support for the show. He wrote, I just, I, I just uh, wanted—I just heard to tell you about yours and Jay's books. I sorry, yours and Jay's book idea. We're we're excited to be uh, starting on that now, uh, and also the idea to do more in the area of bipartisan news analysis. Thank you for your renewed commitment to what you are doing. And even though some might say that I'm being dramatic and exaggerating when I say our country needs you in this, but our country needs you in this.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Now more
0: than ever. Yeah. yeah, And he said that, yes. <laughs> and so Don says to help, I'm going to double my support today. And that's just what Don did. And I wanted to send you all that message. He says that's, that what you are doing is important. So thanks, Don. Um. And also we have two brand new monthly sustaining supporters through Patreon. They are Angel and Josh. Thanks, guys. We definitely appreciate it. Of course, when you become a supporter of the show, it's not only that you help us do what we're doing and do more of it and keep on doing it and all that. But you get access to our special supporters only after show last week, Trey and Ken talked about screens, technology and the political implications of social media. And this week, Jay and I have some good stuff I think lined up for you as well. And if you want to do that, it's really simple. Just go to politicsguys.com support and boom, there you go where, where there'll be uh it's quick and easy for us to, uh, uh, for us to get some of your money essentially, but we really would appreciate it. It does help a lot. Sincerely. Thanks so much. All right, Jay, moving on to ballot initiatives. There were a ton of them. There always are. You know, I thought as a way to kind of make some sense of this, we could focus on the top two or three areas, things, kind of patterns that we saw. And to me, the biggest thing was Medicaid expansion. Uh, Voters in three very red states, Idaho, Utah, and Nebraska, approved measures to expand Medicaid, Medicaid coverage. And in Maine, The newly elected Democratic governor said that enacting their uh, voter-approved Medicaid expansion that happened in 2017, that was going to be her top priority, and that's something that the current Republican governor has been fighting and stalling on. Um, And so now, with Tuesday's elections, the number of states with expanded Medicaid coverages 36, uh, obviously a pretty strong majority. Uh, so what do you think about that, Jay? Uh, I see it as a positive development, more states, more voters seeing the light and telling their, you know, kind of Republican leadership who is pushing back against this, no, this is something that they want and the voters are getting what they want. What they want. And I think it's a good thing, especially for the poorest and most at-risk residents of these states. Uh, how do you see it?
1: Well, and as uh, H. L. Mencken uh, once observed, as democracy uh, <laughs> means that the voters ought to get what they want and get it good and hard. Um, I, that that might be the case. I mean, my I, I've always been a little, um, and I think conservatives in general, uh, uh, leery of of the big issue of support because it takes uh, issues that are complicated and boils them down to very easy yes no sound bites. Um, and if you're you're running a campaign of would you like more people to be covered uh, uh by by some sort of insurance well yes of course you would um but not factored in are the costs and how those costs will expand uh over over um uh, the course of of years um you know as is in there's a federal you know level of support and then as medicaid expansion under the Obamacare Uh, operates that federal money uh, shrinks as the state percentage increases in all the states where you've had you've had Medicaid expansion the costs have vastly uh, outpaced what the predictions were Uh, I know in Ohio it's been you know by a factor of you know over a hundred percent and and I I think it's 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 going to be a a budget issue for these states that that have done this Uh, Because when you have an entitlement, uh, that what happens is that that starts to crowd out funding for other priorities. Uh, So um, I I guess, uh, again, I'm not I'm not crazy about uh, the big ballot initiatives that that seek to to deal with sort of big questions. um, uh, sort with sort of a blunt instrument.
0: Uh, Do you you think it's do you think it's I mean, certainly. You know, one way, one part of the equation is to look at the cost of Medicaid expansion. But I'm sure you would say also that in order to judge the uh, viability and the usefulness of a policy, you should also look at the benefits, right? Sure. And so, I mean, looking at it in that way, the argument that, you know, essentially, this is the argument from from my side, is that, yes, it absolutely has costs. And and governing is about uh, weighing the costs and the benefits and considering priorities and and, uh, giving uh, you know, some sort of basic level of medical coverage to the poorest and most at risk. That is a, uh, that is a benefit that more than justifies well, the cost.
1: But, but wait a second, this is, but we're talking about Medicaid expansion, Yeah. right? And, and, and again, Medicaid was a program designed to provide care for the poorest and most at risk, Absolutely. right? It was people with, with, uh, below the poverty line or below a certain percentage of the poverty line, uh, kids, uh, the elderly, um, uh, people with with uh, serious conditions. Medicare, Medicaid expansion is expanding um, the Medicaid rolls to able-bodied, uh, young, uh, healthy, working people who, are, who could be working. Um, and and what's going to happen? Again, that you're going to have to start, you know, uh, rationing the, those benefits. Uh, between the the sickest and the poorest, and and those who are not so sick or so poor, um, and I think I think people don't really realize that when you talk about Medicaid expansion, it's being sold as, uh, well, don't you want to help the poor? Well, of course you do. But um, it, it's, I, I think the you know we'll we'll wait and see. But I think the experience is going to be uh, something something different. So. Than what they expect.
0: Yeah, certainly you're right about the rationing issue, but healthcare is is always going to be a rationing. And the question is, who's going to do the rationing based on what? Uh, based on what criteria? And I and I think that uh, based on the criteria, of well, uh, uh, ability to pay and so forth is, is not the, the best criteria. And I think sort of need and is, is a much better one. And I think this is a, a positive outcome, obviously. But uh, moving on, uh, another big issue: uh, six states. Passed uh, expanded victims' rights laws, and it's sometimes called Marcy's laws. Now, yeah. it seems to me on the surface, victims' rights, this seems like a, a no brainer. And in fact, That's if, not you, easy, yeah, yeah. if you look at, in all of these states, it passed with sizable majorities. But as I understand it, the basic idea is that victims should, and this is how it's been sold, is that victims should have rights equal to defendants. But the opponents of these laws, particularly the ACLU, which has kind of led this charge, says says that. This is kind of a false premise, because defendants' rights are rights against the power of the state, which has the, right. you know, the authority to deprive people of liberty or you know in some cases, life, whereas victims' rights are rights against an individual, and the concern here is that pitting victims' rights against defendants' rights sets up a situation where defendants' rights, who they're just generally less uh, uh, not, they don't get a lot of sympathy, uh, those rights are likely to lose, which has some potentially troubling, uh, ramifications for, uh, protections of those accused of crime. So Jay, what do you think about the spread of these, uh, of these victims' rights, Marcy's laws? Well, uh, you know, I'd have to, we'd have to talk
1: specifically sure. Sure, yeah. about, about, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, versed enough in, in what all the different versions are, but the typical one is, you know, something about you'd have the right to make a victim impact statement, which is, is really, that's probably the law in most places. Uh, anyway, uh, right to be present at, uh, sentencing and hearings and so forth. Um, uh, then right to notification, uh, if, uh, an offender is, is released or paroled, uh, something like that. So, um, Again, my my bigger issue is first doing it with the blunt instrument of a a ballot initiative because there are a lot of complexities there uh, that I think would be better left to the legislature. Um, as a again as a as a lawyer, <laughs> this troubles me just a little bit. Mm-hmm. the The idea that I uh, uh, I understand a victim impact uh, statement post sentencing. Uh, I think that's important, or or, or at, at sentencing before sentencing. Um, but but it's one of these uh things where i'm i'm troubled that the it, it shouldn't it shouldn't go to anything that would uh, uh impact the determination of guilt or innocence right 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 i mean the the the, the crime may be terrible uh the victim may uh, have suffered immensely uh and certainly has a story to tell but uh that that should not weigh into uh, factors of guilt or innocence. Uh, did they do it? Didn't they do it? Uh, the legal question of, of, is the offense charged the the proper offense? Um, now, again, when you get to the sentencing phase, I think that's something entirely different uh, because at that point you've already had guilt or innocence established. Um, the other part of the, the fiscal conservative in me um, bristles a little bit in that uh these laws tend to create some some big unfunded mandates mm, okay uh for for local governments county governments um on you know first of all keeping track of of who all the people are who all the potential victims are, making sure notifications go out uh and, and so forth and again that's gonna vary from from you know statute to statute as 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 these are are passed it's all maybe a little bit different um uh so i, I don't know i'm I, I would say I'm generally not a fan. Uh, I, if you were going to do this sort of thing, I think it's better to do it legislatively uh, than to do it uh, by uh, right. by uh, a ballot initiative. Um, so but I, I under I understand the appeal. It's it's the easy it's the easy slam dunk for for people who want to go out and say, "Look, I'm hey, I'm against crime. Sure. I'm I'm for the victims." Right. And well, who isn't? So.
0: So as a general rule, you've mentioned this a couple of times I wanted to bring this up as a general rule, It seems to me that you're just basically uh, maybe I'm over uh, maybe I'm oversimplifying, but you're not really a fan of bail initiatives.
1: No, not really. OK, no. and, and maybe I'm you not, can, maybe simpl- you can explain why, because I
0: think that's an important point because you, you've mentioned this and it's not. Well, go ahead. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Well, it, it comes down
1: to it. It's again, you're using sort of a blunt instrument uh, to try to. Resolve some some really complicated problems. Uh, we often talk about the um, problems of uh, unintended consequences, and and so often in about initiatives. You you have that, um, and uh, it's it's an appeal. And this is almost I mean this almost kind of goes back to it's kind of a uh, you know Madisonian sort of sort of thing is. Look, our our system isn't isn't built to have just government by but government by the acclamation of the people, right? Um, uh, it's it's uh, it's a republic, uh, not a a pure democracy, and and these these ballot initiative um, uh, things, which again, there's no such thing as a federal initiative, uh, thank God. I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> Well, well, you know, <laughs> it,
0: I I, I got to say
1: reason for that, and, and again, these these state ones didn't come about until the early twentieth century, um, uh, and uh, you know we lived we lived quite a, a while without them, and uh, I think better. But uh, but again, the other the other trouble so often these uh, these uh, and when I say initiatives, a lot of the times they are things that are drafted into the state constitution rather than just a a new law by initiative. It is we are amending the state constitution to provide whatever, uh, again, something that that shouldn't be in a constitution.
0: Right. Well, you know, I got to say, in a way, I agree with you. I I think you're absolutely right in that to make a ballot initiative sort of understandable, comprehensible, it has to be almost by definition, a blunt instrument. And I have those concerns generally, and I share them with you. I I also share the concern that it's too easy for the public to be manipulated, not because people are stupid. There are certainly some stupid people out there, but but just because a lot of these things are just very complex issues. There's a reason why oftentimes legislation is hundreds or thousands of pages. Um, But to me, I guess where maybe you and I part company a little bit is I feel that this is a, a reasonable response to just so much more partisan gridlock when people feel elites of Both parties are engaged in basically political gains or games, I'm sorry, and have sort of aren't really worried about policy outcomes, except as they except as they affect the struggle for power. And they're saying, well, we want this thing to happen. You're not doing anything. We're going to take matters into our own hands. And I think that's the point we've reached. And I, I certainly think it's understandable. It's certainly not which optimal. Sort of, which is sort of the,
1: what they, uh, they said during the French Revolution, right? Well, I, mean, I think uh, that's, a, that's you know sort of a, mean, over. That's obviously fine, an over written,
0: No one's saying off with their heads, but they're saying the system is broken here. You're not, you're not addressing our needs and we need to do something about it. And so in that way, I think it's understandable and in a way laudable, but hardly optimal.
1: Um, well, I, and I would say I would look at it a different way. To, to say that these are, are nonpartisan, I think I think that's a little naive.
0: No, not nonpartisan. I'm just saying that that partisan elites on both sides they're playing a political game. Whereas a lot of voters are saying, "Hey, we're concerned about how our lives are being affected." And while you're playing little your little power games here, we have some real needs that are going unmet. That's what yeah. I'm saying.
1: So again I think you're being naive. Um as far as the the that, real needs being that people met, care and, about. Me, because so often what also happens with a lot of these is you will put you know one side or the other will put something on the ballot uh, in the hopes of driving turnout uh for for one side or the other. Um we had something like that uh, here in Ohio. Um uh, this year we had something like that here in Ohio uh about 10 years ago. Um and it's 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 troubling, um, and it's you know. There's also sort of this sense of well, we can't get what we don't want through the regular legislative process, uh, so we're going to go and and do this. Not to say that this process is invalid; it's it's part of the state constitution. Um, uh, but I, I think it's it's troubling in that there's less room for debate, less room for nuance, uh, and um, uh, again, especially if you get things put into a state constitution, which it's then difficult to. To undo, um, it's it's bad and, and it's, it's it's not easily adjusted. It's not as if you can say, you know, okay, we passed this statute a couple years ago. We're having trouble. We're going to do some some amendments to tweak it. Sure. Um,
0: well, again, and that's why I I agree with you to that to that extent that it is not there. It is certainly problematic, and and you and I definitely agree on that. I guess you know in a sense and this is something we've kind of we've kind of covered in the past is that you tend to see things as being much more kind of political machinations and that's essentially all that's driving it or just the the strong preponderance and i'm i'm much more idealistic i'm not idealistic by any like (laughs) any means but i'm more idealistic than you are i guess you could say i'm an idealistic skeptic where you are more of i call you more of a uh, this is going to sound harsh, Dave. Correct me if I'm wrong. More of a Machiavellian cynic. I no, I, no,
1: I would say I'm, I'm just I'm just a realist. I mean, look, yeah, I've, and I I've I would lived in this. I've, I've i lived yeah. in this. I mean, sure. I, this is this is kind of the real world, and um, I'd also point out so many of these these initiatives. It's not it's not cheap to do this. Sure, sure. Uh, so if the idea is that this is just a group of the grassroots people uh, meeting in the neighborhood and. Uh saying, gosh, we ought to do something about this. Let's go out and, you know, have people sign petitions. Well, at no, the of course not. Store. Yeah. You have to have is, th- these are pieces that are are sponsored by your plutocrats, right? I mean the one in Ohio was it's it's the George Soros's, it's the Zuckerbergs, oh, it's 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 not the the common man who is somehow upset that his government isn't serving him. Uh it is uh people well, what, with a lot of money. Well, well, uh,
0: I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna push back a little bit on that because you're right. You're abs- I mean you're you're unquestionably right that it takes uh, so, people yeah. with <laughs> that it takes people with resources to to generate the the drives and to get these things on the ballot. But that doesn't mean that there's not a legitimate public sentiment. Like for instance, for uh, the, the 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 marijuana you know, ballot initiatives, which we've seen a whole bunch of in sure. the last decade or so. And when you look at polling data, you can see that there are, you know, pretty sizable majorities and now even small majorities among Republicans. So the idea that you can just kind of create this out of whole cloth with enough money, I I challenge that. I don't really think that's true. You can maybe get these things on the ballot, but you have to convince enough voters. And so I guess I have a little more faith in the public than you do, Jay.
1: Well, no, I mean, actually, I would say my my faith in the public is because most uh, initiatives, um and i've I've worked on a number of these kind of campaigns you're you're always so much better if you're on the no side, sure yeah um yeah absolutely. you you can sort of spot yourself almost five ten points automatically if right. you're on the no side just because it's it's this people are like, well, I don't know, do I want to change the status quo you know dramatically change the constitution eh probably not sure um but but what you'll have is you'll have these uh, you know things come up year and year and year again um and eventually you you have things like you know we now have you know and I, again i'm thinking ohio just because it's where i live but uh gambling uh in in ohio casinos um uh we did not before and the folks who pushed it were were the casino owners and and a small percentage of them and you even have like dueling ballot, you know dueling sort of initiatives of of which which group of of uh, these folks are going to to get what they want written into the constitution um likewise there was uh, uh well, I'm, but, but anyway, it, to to me, it's, it's, it's troubling because it's, it's a place where if, if you're, if you're one of those folks who gets concerned about, uh, uh, political spending and dark money and all that sort of thing, uh, this is absolutely the, the, you know, the, the fever swamp of, of that, where again, with, with issues, it's sort of the Wild West. There's, there's no real reporting. There's, there's really, uh, it's, it's, everything's kind of fair game. Um, uh, so anyway, I know, I'm not I'm not saying that we ought to abolish the, the right of initiative or referendum or anything like that. I'm just saying uh, it, it ought to be used sparingly and, and cautiously. Right.
0: Well, you know, uh, b- before we we do, I know we're kind of we're kind of. And, and but... I would
1: I would and another thing um, I would say, uh, you know, perhaps some states have looked at making it more difficult to get uh, issues on the ballot simply because uh, it it used to be framed with the idea that this was citizen-driven, right? People, again, just going door to door, neighbor to neighbor, uh, not having uh, someone from out of state, you know, plunk in uh, a couple, you know, millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars and hire crews to go out and do this. So,
0: right. Well, you know, one other kind of initiative area that that I Just feel like we should talk about before we we end today is uh, voting rights and redistricting, especially since, you know, (laughs) affects the election that we just had um, or future elections. Now, on the plus side, at least this is the plus as far as I'm concerned, three states made it easier to vote, expanded uh, or at least or expanded the franchise, for instance, Florida approved automatically restoring the right to vote for those with prior felony convictions. That's accepting, though, murder or felony sexual offenses. And there's been kind of a movement toward that in a lot of states in recent years. Uh, Maryland approved uh, same-day voter registration. And Nevada approved automatic voter registration. Now, at the same time, and I would say more troublesome. Uh, Arkansas and North Carolina passed photo ID requirement laws for voting. And there are 17 other states that also have similar type laws. Um, On the redistricting side, voters in three states, it was Colorado, Michigan, and Missouri approved laws that reformed the redistricting process. And while the specific proposals differ, they all center on making it much more difficult for elected officials of whatever party to engage in partisan gerrymandering. So overall, I see these things as a, as a plus for more open elections, allowing people to as reasonably easily as possible exercise their right to, to vote. Uh, so essentially a win for democracy, I'd say overall, uh, Jay, what do you think? Um,
1: again, I'll go back. We had this sort of exchange in, in Facebook, um, you know back uh in the um mid 80s let's say i would say ohio was a solidly blue state uh we had a democratic governor two term democratic governor uh both houses of the state legislature uh were democratic one flipped in the, the mid 80s mm-hmm. uh but but otherwise um you know we had had a history of of you know going back some like 40 years um uh, and and, you know, the way people voted then was you had an election on election day. Uh, if you were out of the county uh, or sick or over the age of 65, you had the option to do an absentee ballot. Um, but you didn't have sign up folks for motor voter, uh, motor voting, uh, um, motor voter, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know had to make, sign up then. You actually Happened had to go 90s, and, yeah. and sign up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh you didn't have judges holding polling certain polling places uh only certain polling places open later than usual you didn't have provisional ballots uh you didn't have um, uh, uh, any uh or you did in some cases have have id requirements stricter requirements um and and we liked it right you didn't have early voting you didn't have uh, uh same day registration Well um, no I
0: I, I, I and, and but here's the
1: thing but democrats thrived in that system. Um, and again, this was a system that we've had for years and years. And now all of a sudden, we're looking back and saying, oh, gosh, people are being disenfranchised. Well, uh, I, maybe, I, I, don't, I, just, I don't think it, it happened. I,
0: I know but, it's very difficult, but uh, I'm going to ask you to look at this not through the lens of political expediency. I'm going to ask you to look at this through the lens of helping people exercise their right to vote reasonably. I mean, are you saying that it was better back when... It was more difficult for people to vote. In a way, yeah. Okay, and Let me explain why.
1: Because here's the thing: if you're going to vote, you're making you're making a commitment to your community, to your country, um, and and it, it's not just this is this isn't just uh, you know texting your favorite on on American Idol. Uh, this is something that's significant, and if you're going to have the uh, the right to vote, which you do on the Constitution, there are, there are responsibilities that go with it. And uh, it's not unreasonable uh, for people to take minor steps to, to be responsible, to, to see that they're registered, right, um, to, to uh, prove they are who they are, right? And I would say, listen, if you want to have a photo ID requirement, uh, the government ought to make sure that people are able to get photo IDs uh, for free. There's no poll tax and so forth. Uh, um,
0: well, you but, know, Jay, uh, well, I'll tell you. I, you know, I, I, I,
1: so I mean, I, I'm, and I, I think there's also something something to be said um, against early voting. Uh, you don't walk out of the movie three quarters of the way through. You don't want to wait to, to, wait to see how it ends. Um, that early voting has changed uh, the way people do campaigns, and I think for for the worse. Right? Um, uh, there's. Well, well I'll it, say on early percentage.
0: voting. I, I agree with you. I think you have a good point, and that early voting can potentially change campaigns. And, you know, I think that's a reasonable point, certainly. I I guess I would also say that you and I probably aren't necessarily as far apart on this. I, I think it's a reasonable point to say that, well, voting, there are certain responsibilities, and it sounds like that we even agree that it's okay to have certain requirements so long as those requirements do not fall harder on one group. So, no, so long as right. those requirements are not made so as to sort of systematically make it more difficult for a certain group to vote. Absolutely. Okay. Well, in that sense, I mean, yeah. we, don't, we don't necessarily disagree as much as, as some people might have expected us to, because I, in principle, I agree with just about all of that, essentially. I, I would say one thing I'll say is that I vastly prefer Uh, mail-in voting which i've done for the last few elections just because it gives me the time to sort of sit back and consider things and maybe look up stuff if i want to look up a few things here there some of those judicial races can be sort of confusing in that and to me that that is a a a big a a big advance certainly but uh consider the consider the
1: irony though of of this um with mail-in voting right let's it is uh uh, in most places, and there are some Supreme Court stuff going on about this, you are not allowed to to walk into a polling place and uh you know i couldn't you know you couldn't wear a right. a, a button or a t shirt or or something advertising a candidate uh you would ironically uh be told <laughs> you you can't uh, <clears throat> uh you can't express political opinions here this is uh, this is a polling place um it's you know again very dr Strangelove you can't you know gentlemen, you can't fight in here. this is the war room right um yet uh if if you are uh, someone a- at home, um, you could have any any number of people relatives, friends, family uh, waving signs all around your head sure. um, uh, i i just I just think that's that's sort of a
0: no I mean that's a the,
1: weird a weird quirk, isn't it? It's I mean, a different uh, sort
0: of situation, and just to give you a, i mean a more specific example, for instance, my mom got her got her uh, ballot and she's uh, uh eighty four, will be eighty-five, uh later this month, uh, you know, she likes to remind me. She says that's not young, Michael I said, no, um, but you know, I she got her ballot and she asked me to help her fill it out. Now I just basically asked her, you know, questions and explained things to the best of my ability to her, which I think was pretty good. And but certainly if I were a little less uh, you know, uh scrupulous, I guess you could say, or, <laughs> or honest. I could have certainly just Here's your guy, mom. I, you know, I could have filled out her ballot all for, all for uh, Democrats and you know, that would, and so, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I think, that is a, you know, it's a reasonable point to bring up, certainly. Uh, and for me, though, like I said, the the benefits from that of being able to really think back and, you know, think and make a considered view and also not have all the issues that tend to come up or many of the issues that come up with uh, with waiting times and having to, you know, get off of work and do things like that, that do sometimes affect certain groups more than others. I think this makes it, I, I think it's a no, trade-off. You know,
1: I mean, okay, you want, me to, you want me to throw this out? You want to know a group that is... is is. Uh... Uh, disadvantaged by, um, uh, uh, I mean, you know, sometimes my, my work day, uh, can run from, from sure. seven thirty to seven thirty.
0: 30. Right, right. So, I mean, go. that's,
1: you know, the,
0: corp- the corporate attorneys of the world, this is, this helps. Exactly. Exactly. When will someone
1: take mm-hmm. up, uh, the cause of mm-hmm. corporate attorneys, you know? uh, and stop us from <laughs> oh, disenfranchised? Yes. yes, exactly. Um, uh, but there was one last point I wanted to make. Yeah. It, 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 I think there's also, and this is, this is like a Burkean part of me speaking. Oh, Just you know, the, I
0: like this. Okay, go ahead.
1: There, there is something good uh, about the tradition of everybody going out to the polls on the same day, right? There's something there's something good, I think, uh, uh, for our, our country. And you go to the place and, and, you know, it's a neighborhood polling place and you see your neighbors there and, and you, you greet them. And, uh, you know, often, especially in my neighborhood, uh, people are not voting the same way I am. Uh, uh, but uh, now we've
0: got voting alone, basically. Yeah, I hear what exactly, you're saying. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think there's there's something to that, having that sort of um, sort of moment of, of uh, or day of, of national unity uh in that uh, look we're we're gathering together we may we may uh disagree on on the results but we agree on on the process um and i think that's something we lose when we have mail in voting early voting um same day voting all that sort of thing yeah
0: you know and i absolutely agree uh and my only concern is and it's a i think a pretty significant concern is is that uh, no undue burdens are placed on any one group to kind of result in their you know it's systematically being more difficult for them to vote essentially. But sure. yeah. All right. Well, I that, you know, and it's, It's we've already we've already run over, but uh, we still there's a bunch of stuff we haven't had a chance to talk about. So if you're wondering what we think about, for instance, uh, uh, Jeff Sessions being fired or what we think about the president's latest moves to uh, to deny asylum to certain groups. Well, you're going to have to wait until our Wednesday show. And we're going to talk about that uh, and, and more And also, if you are a supporter, we still have our supporters bonus after show. And this week, I'm going to talk about a proposal to make Congress, or at least the House, much, much bigger. And while I think it's at least a pretty interesting idea, uh, Jay, I'm sure you have some stuff to talk about too, right? Yep, yep. All kinds of interesting experiences, I guess you could say, you've had in the last. Oh, in the last week well, or so. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, we can. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. It'll be a little bit of a mystery. So uh, stay tuned to that. And if, if I'm doing my job right by the time you hear this, that should be available to you. If you're a supporter and if you're not a supporter, you know what to do. slash support. And boom, there you go. Nice and easy and simple. And hey, we want to hear your questions, your comments, your, oh my God, Jay was so wrong about this. Yes, I know. Or the opposite occasionally. Uh, let us know. That's mail at politicsguys.com. Dot com. There's also our Facebook page, facebook.com slash page. And we're on Twitter at politics guys. The executive producers of politics guys are Michael Baranowski, Jay Carson, Trey Orndorff, Will Miller, and Bruce Johnson. Today's show is produced by Michael Baranowski. We'll be back with a new show on Wednesday. We hope you'll join us.